0: hands before the lord Can we have a keyboardist father we stand boldly in your presence this afternoon lord and lord we ask for the manifestation of your presence here today in kensington temple lord in every heart father lord that you'd pour out your spirit the promise of your word is that you'd pour out your spirit upon all flesh you'd pour out your spirit upon your sons and daughters and cause us to cry out, Abba, Father. Cause us to recognize who you've called us to be, Father. So, Lord, this afternoon, I ask that you'd pour out your spirit in our midst. Lord, that you would refresh those that have known you and perhaps grown dry and weary, Lord. That you'd meet with those that have come to meet with you today, Father. That no one would leave without a touch from the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. We thank you that in Jesus dying on a cross for us, he has made every single one of us righteous when we put our faith in him. He has made every single one of us to be able to stand before the Father who is in heaven, clear conscience with our sins washed away. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that as you ascended to the right hand of the Father, you poured out the Holy Spirit. You poured out the Holy Spirit upon all flesh, on, on, your, on your servants, your maidservants, upon your sons and upon your daughters, Lord. And Lord, we expect by faith you're moving here this afternoon. Come and minister to your people, Lord. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise offering. Thank you so much to the team. It's great to have you guys with us today. you are going to be continuing this series that we've been looking at on discipleship and i really felt it's important that we 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 got a message out there on the four basic principles of becoming a disciple of jesus christ it's something that we teach um, in our basic uh, pre-encounter training it's something that we we uh, we see certain cell leaders practice regularly but this is something that all of the church should be involved in when it comes to making disciples of jesus christ Acts two thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Um, a simple question is asked of Peter. He's preached his first sermon. Three thousand people or so about to get saved. They have a specific question for Peter. They say, "What do we need to do to be saved?" And Peter's simple response: Repent and believe, be water baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise. There's no doubt in his mind. There's no doubt in his heart. That's how to make a disciple. And then we're going to look a bit more in detail, but all of those disciples that were made in the New Testament were made disciples that same way on the day that they got saved. Now today, you might, we we tackled this last week that if you're getting baptized, you might find yourself being water baptized some months or even some years after you got saved. When Jesus, the challenge of scripture is to be baptized immediately upon our confession of faith. And we covered a lot of difficult questions that many people ask. So if you're thinking about getting baptized next week, I encourage you strongly to go back, review last week's message. It covers all of the questions to do with water baptism. And all you need to do next week is come and join us in the room behind 2 o'clock where we'll brief you about the baptism service and make sure you have everything you need. We do have changes of clothes, towels, and all of that. The baptism service is one of the highlight services of of the 230 every month we see people coming in and just getting fired up with the presence of god as they commit their lives to christ in water baptism but today we're going to be focusing very much on this idea of the baptism of the holy spirit and uh, one of the most offensive questions that you could as a pentecostal go um, outside of the church and say to perhaps an evangelical is do you speak in tongues they'll immediately get angry What, are you saying you're better than me because you speak in tongues, you Pentecostals? You all think that you know better. You all think that you've got it better because I've got better doctrine. So you might be able to talk in tongues, but I know my Bible better, Pentecostals, so I would rather have that. And you get into all kinds of offensive and defensive arguments that don't need to happen. Why? Because God wants to give His Spirit to every single follower of Jesus Christ. It's not exclusive. It's not just for the Pentecostals. He desires that everybody that believes in Jesus, every disciple of Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to unpack some of that today and unpack the relevance to you. Um, so I want to just ask, how many of you here are pray in tongues? Excellent. So some of you don't yet pray in tongues. We're going to see you baptized in the Holy Spirit today, amen? I believe that people today are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe that people today are going to receive a fresh touch from the the Lord. Every single time we have Living Free and I pray for the people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we see all of them, or 99% of them, get baptized in the Holy Spirit there on the spot. So I'm believing God. Why? Because it's nothing to do with us, nothing to do with you. It's to do with the goodness of God and His desire to live on the inside of you. So I want to read to you from the start, Acts 1, 5. For John truly baptized with water... But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not not many days from now. This is Jesus speaking. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Father, I ask, Lord, that today people would genuinely enter into the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit where a fresh fire would take over their lives, Lord. Lord, where they would become so passionate about you that all of the things around them, uh, all of the concerns of the world, all of the concerns of this age would begin to fade away in the light of the passion that you place in our hearts for your kingdom, Lord. Lord, we remember that at the end of the day, you've called us according to your purpose. And Lord, we wanna live according to that purpose for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit changes lives. It takes somebody who might be living in a certain way. They might be a good person. More than likely, they're not a good person. More than likely, they're experiencing sin in many areas, and just like all of us have. None of us need to pretend. You know, we pretend when we're talking to some people. uh, Well, I was out last night with some friends, and they're not Christians. And they were trying to pretend to me as a Christian, because I was a Christian, that they were good people. And I just looked them in the eye, and I just said, Listen, I know you're not a good person just like I know I'm not good what, what do you mean I'm not a good person? There's only one good person. That's God, okay? We all need to admit and be honest with ourselves that no matter how hard we try, how, no matter how good we are, our best is darkness in front of God. Our very best, the best efforts that we could bring as an offering, they're darkness compared to the light that is in God. No one can claim goodness. But God, in His infinite goodness has determined to pour out his Holy Spirit for the purpose of taking a man or a woman who is controlled by sin and making them a minister of fire for his glory, for the glory of his son's name. It's the glory of God to do it, to transform lives. And I was talking to one friend just the other day, and he says to me, you know what, Gabriel? Some of you need this passion. Some of you need this fire. He says to me, Gabriel, I'm in in the restaurant every day, and I say to my staff, Today, we are going to see this many people. I've prayed about it. You'll see. You'll see. And they're like, no, no, no. And the same number of people come in. And then he says to them again, you're going to see today we are going to be rushed off our feet. And they're like, what are you talking about? This day's normally quiet. And they were rushed off their feet the whole day. See, that's passion. That comes from the Holy Spirit. That, that is bred from the power of God that you see operating through your life, believing God, believing God, believing God, and stepping out in faith in every direction that he calls you to. That's in a simple workplace environment. But what about you guys who are have got people that are sick, that you're praying for to see them healed? You're praying for to see them saved? Those kind of people, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the Spirit that is going to transform the way you pray so that you can see breakthrough in their situations. Because we can all pray according to our leadings. God, I want my Mercedes Benz. God, I wish you'd bless me today. I don't want any sadness. It's all got to be happy. It's all got to be good. That's the way we would pray. We've kind of got this fantasy land that we are living in sometimes. But when we look at situations, we've got to believe God that he can bring us from a situation of difficulty into a situation where his name can be glorified by faith, wrestling in the kingdom of God by faith. So with the lost ones, with those who are sick, praying by faith and seeing amazing breakthrough in their lives. Being a baptized in the Holy Spirit or spirit-filled being is part of our original creation. It's part of the way that God intended us to be. Some people kind of feel, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit is is, is like a you know the, the sidekick of God. God the Father is in heaven and the Holy Spirit's the sidekick that He's sent on the earth. Sometimes you might get led astray by that kind of small thinking concerning the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God on the earth. He is now the representative of the Father and of Jesus here on the earth. You cannot know the Father except by Jesus, and Jesus has now left us the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit, who will reveal to us who Jesus is, and in turn reveal to us who the Father is. The Holy Spirit is the person whom now we come to know the Father through. It's our original intent in creation. It's the way that we were originally created. When we look at the example of Adam in Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life, and man became a living being. The spirit of God being breathed into a human body means what? That God himself is living inside of you. Your original creation, when now it speaks of you being a temple of the Holy Spirit, the original intent of your creation is that you would be a carrier of the presence of God. Have you ever thought of it like that? Have you ever thought of the weight of that statement? That God is with you wherever you go because He's living inside of you. He's not following next to you, He's not watching down from above. He's not pushing you from behind or leading you from the front. He is living inside of you. That's crazy. But also that God is living on the inside of us. We see, Adam, we know that Adam sinned. And in his sin, he was rejecting the leading of the Holy Spirit. He was rejecting God, the Father, as his God, and instead choosing a different God. Choosing to follow his own desires and the misleading of the serpent. And so from that time until the coming of Christ, the Father was separated from dominion over the earth through man, which is the way that he chosen to work, through the Holy Spirit filled man, he was to have dominion over the world. He was separated. And so we see occasions right throughout the Old Testament where occasionally people are anointed with the Holy Spirit. We see men like David or men like Samuel or men like um, samson different men that were anointed by the spirit of god for specific seasons but they were individuals the holy spirit was not poured out upon all flesh like it is today because a sacrifice was needed in the person of jesus christ and jesus's prophetic destiny was this to restore people to be spirit filled beings to restore us to the place where we can carry around the presence of god not just so that we can have our sins forgiven and make it to heaven but that People filled with the power of God would be walking around on the earth again. Some people are still in this mentality of, let me just make it to heaven, God. I'm going to have years of guilt. I'm going to have years of shame because I'm going to mess up every day and I'm going like, to live short of your word. And somehow, maybe if you're merciful enough, I might make it to heaven. That's not what God intends for us. The Bible says that all of creation eagerly yearns for the revealing of the sons of God. That's people who know who they are in Christ as spirit-filled beings. And so Jesus' prophetic destiny was this. In Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. The Father's desire was to be amongst His people again. The Father's desire was to be resident in His people again. I wonder today, have you got a hard heart? Do you new, need a new spirit within you? Do you need God to come and take away that hard heart and to give you a, a soft, pliable heart of flesh? Because that's what Jesus came to do. In Joel two twenty-eight, it says, the famous verse that Peter quotes, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon, upon all flesh. After what? It shall come to pass after the conclusion of the law. After the completion of the law in the person of Jesus, who fulfilled the law in its entirety and died on yours and my behalf, so that we could be brought into a new covenant. After that, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Do you hear that word there? All flesh. All flesh. Some of you think God's cheap. He'll give his spirit to some people, not to others. He'll only give his spirit to the anointed ones and not to the ones who are going to do anything for God. Every single believer is called to be a carrier of the presence of God. And he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you it more than you're willing to ask for it. If it's a gift that is available for everybody today, why don't you reach out and ask for it? Instead of sitting offended, instead of saying, God, you're going to give it to everyone except me, why don't you reach out by faith and say, God, your word has promised that I can have your Holy Spirit. I'm asking for your Holy Spirit in my life today because it's about restoring you to who God created you to be. See, where you are today, you might look at yourself today and think, oh my God, if this is how good I am at this point, well, it's all downhill from here. That was what it would be like if it was up to us in our own strength, in our own ability. No matter how hard we try, we'd be on a constant trajectory downwards as we sin more and more and see more and more things become addictions in our life. Yet, with the power of God in operation in you, you are called to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. The person that you are today will be a mere shadow of the person that God is going to bring you to be in the future. The things that you're struggling with today in your mind, in your body, in your character, in your personality, in, the, in, in your mentalities, all of the different areas of your life, those things are not permanent because God can make you new. Amen? And so it is written in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five: the first man, Adam, became a living being the last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the first man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have, been bor- as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly man. You might be sitting here in front of me today thinking, why have I had to experience everything that I've had to experience? Why have I had to go through all the challenges that I've had to go through? Why have I had to struggle the way that I've had to struggle? It's because we all have to live in the experience of the man of dust first in order to understand the relevance of the heavenly man to us. And yet God takes us out of that place of being People that are controlled by sin and ushers us in to the space of being people that receive the Spirit and rise up as heavenly sons and daughters. Now, there's coming a day when we will receive our eternal resurrection body, where we will be able to stand before God and stand and receive His presence and not be obliterated as we would be today in our mortal bodies standing before God. But in the experience between now and then, we are experiencing the redemption. We are experiencing the transformation of our character. increasingly and increasingly into the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus has made a way because of his prophetic destiny. And we see that on the, the day that Jesus appears on the scene, after thousands of years of the absence of the Spirit in perpetuity across everyone, John says, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. Whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The problem with baptizing people in water is you have to bring them out. We are not able to breathe underwater unless you're scuba skilled. We're not able to breathe underwater. So water baptism is a one-time burial experience, bring you out. You are now brought into the new resurrection life in Christ. We covered all of that last week. But what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is Jesus taking you, new creation you, full of faith in Jesus Christ, believing in him as your Lord and Savior, and dunking you in the Holy Spirit and never bringing you out. Because it's about make, putting you back in the place that you belong. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, let me tell you something you're no longer in the flesh. Some of you still thinking, you know, "Oh, I have seasons in the flesh. I'm just having my six months in the flesh, and then I'm going to have a week of being on fire for God straight away after the encounter, and then I'm going to b- go back to being in the flesh, and uh, you know have some arguments with the wife, and you know sin a bit, or sin a lot, and then I'm going to you know repent again and re- get born again again, so that you can't get born again again, <laughs> and then I'm going to get back in the spirit. No, you are in." the Spirit. When Jesus takes you and puts you in the Spirit, He doesn't bring you out again. Amen? Amen. What could you do to earn that? What could you do to possibly be able to stand before Jesus and say, I deserve your Holy Spirit? Nothing. No amount of good behavior, No amount of trying as hard as you can, no amount of giving your best is going to cause the Holy Spirit to be forced to give you, oh, Jesus, to give you the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. What do you do when someone brings a gift to you? Oh, how much do I owe you? Bring out your credit card. No, you take the gift. Thank you, Jesus. I need that gift. I've been praying for this. You know, most of you as well, if you've been praying for something, you just snatch it. Oh, this is, you know, this is the iPad I've been praying for. Yes. And they're gone. The guy's like, uh, you don't say thank you? What you? Jesus promises the gift. And in John 14, 16, it says, I will pray the Father, Jesus. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be, abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? First and foremost, in my understanding, we need it for the understanding that we are now sons and daughters of our Father who is in heaven. We remember Jesus' example, Luke three twenty-one. when all of the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The coming of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit upon Christ, was the Father's identification of Him as a Son. You, yourselves, have received that same Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You, yourselves, as believers, will receive that same abiding presence on the inside of you if you have not yet. But what had Jesus done to deserve this? Nothing. He'd not gone around doing miracles. He'd not gone around praying for the sick. He'd not gone around preaching the kingdom. He'd gone to the temple a few times, asked some questions, astounded them with the wisdom that he had. But he had not been trying his hardest in order to please the Father. Jesus walked by faith in who the Father said he was. So this ratification in public where the voice came from heaven and everyone heard, this ratification of Jesus as the Son of God was a knowledge that Jesus had walked in up until that point anyway. He had not done it through his self-effort. And so when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that same Holy Spirit comes to bring the same identification out in us, that we are sons and daughters of the King. Galatians 4 verse 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. Born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoptions, the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through Christ, heir of God through Christ. So your portion is to trust God at who he says you are. You're no longer called to be a slave of fear. If you're asking questions, does God really want to give it to me? The answer is yes, because you're his son, you're his daughter. Your confession of faith, your decision to follow Jesus by faith qualifies you to receive what Jesus has purchased for you. The spirit that he sent forth to take up residence in your life. Romans eight fifteen. for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children and the heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also might be glorified together. God calls you to an entirely different way of life. Some of you just need to shake things up. You got saved it was like the line of life was here and you got saved and there's a tiny blip and you're just going along. The salvation experience, if life was like this, or even if it was like this and rocky and down, the salvation experience is to take you up to a new level. And you might experience ups and downs, but you're up on a whole new level in Christ. Why? Because God has purpose for an inheritance for you. The first part of his inheritance is the Holy Spirit so that you can be restored to who he's called you to be in the first place. You can live like he has called you to live in the first place the spirit of sonship. If ever you feel like you're not good enough, if ever you feel like God does not want it, he'll bless everybody else except you. If ever you feel like you're the one that is singled out and and left behind, then let me tell you that the Holy Spirit is intended to bring you to a place of assurance before the Father, so that you can cry out, Abba, Father. When God says you're important, you don't need to seek approval and importance from other people. You just walk into a room like you own it because you're a son of God. You walk into a room like you own it because you're a daughter of God. That's the way around that it works. It's not that you walk in and like, you're going to listen to me because I'm a child of God. It's you just walk in and because you're carrying the presence of God, you know who you are. See, that's what God intends, to give you and to show you your true identity. We need the Holy Spirit to know that we're sons of God, to cry out, Abba, Father. We need the Holy Spirit to live holy. You know, sometimes people are a bit scared of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, the Holy Spirit's so holy that maybe I need to get holy before I can hang out with the Holy Spirit. How do you think that's going to work out? You need the Holy Spirit in order to be made holy. You don't sort your life out and then get to be friends with the Lord. You get to be friends with the Lord first and then get holy. There is nothing that can keep you from the Holy Spirit breaking into your life. No sin can keep you from breaking into your life the Holy Spirit, from breaking into your life. You, you might think, oh, Gabriel, okay, well, that's a bit. The Holy Spirit's holy. You know, why would he come and live in unholy flesh? Well, firstly, if you put your faith in Christ, you are forgiven all of your sin, past, present, and future. So you might think you're not holy, but before God, you're holy because you're in Christ. Okay, first point. Second point is the Holy Spirit comes into your life in order to bring freedom from all of the sin that's controlling you. And an example of that, I had one friend, I've told this story many times came to me. Gabriel, okay, I need to find God again. He and disappeared from the church. Met him outside here. We went for a walk. He prayed. He repented. He was in tears. He wanted to follow Jesus again. But I said to him, dude, before you leave, you need the baptism some of the Holy Spirit. Because I knew he would go away and just fall back into sin again. And he said, okay. We prayed. We sat down. We prayed. Comes back to me three months later. He's like, do you know what happened to me that day? Do you know why I came back to church? I came back to church because that day I got accused of um, sexual harassment in the office. My wife found out I'd been cheating on her. I have a new son on the way. I was dealing drugs again. And so my life just began to fall apart around me. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit took residence in his life. Sin is not going to keep the Holy Spirit from you. God is so desperate to live on the inside of you again and to make you into the new creation he's called you to be that he makes the way through Christ, who's already forgiven you of all of your sin. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Jesus takes people, he predestines them, he calls them. When they respond to the call, he justifies them. That means that he gives them right standing before God. And in justifying them, he then glorifies them. What are you talking about, Gabriel? Why would God glorify people? Do you think God is glorified by sad-faced Christians running around, unvictorious, no breakthrough, God hates me, I can't pray for the sick, I'm I'm always going to get the worst job. Is God glorified by that? Would you be glorified by that? No. He raises his sons and daughters up so that through your life, you can give him glory. The glory that he puts upon you is glorifying to him. We see that 24 elders are seated around the throne room of of heaven, giving their crowns. They've received the glory of crowns. They're giving their crowns. It's not like they're bringing their coppers out of their pockets and saying, God, here's my coppers glorifies God. There's this guy in America, I don't know if you've heard of him, his name's Jeremy Lynn. he's an interesting guy, plays basketball. The guy was an unknown, undrafted basketball player, but he was the leader of his evangelical Christian movement at university. Somehow he got into an NBA team and replaces a guy who was off injured, and suddenly this unknown guy has been elevated to be one of the most influential men in the world he's on the time top hundred list of influential men in the world time time magazine not like NBA all-stars magazine time magazine that's God see that's bringing God glory that some unknown guy has been brought to dominate that world and he's glorifying God every time that he does it we need the Holy Spirit to be holy The Holy Spirit brings gifts. We all know this. We can look at gifts another time in another series. But the Holy Spirit does supernatural things. He gives words of wisdom, words of knowledge, a discerning of spirits. He gives the gift of faith, the gift of healings, the gift of miracles. He gives the gift of prophecy, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. There's many series out at KT already on the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want to go too much into them, but they are available for you when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's the same Spirit, the same Spirit that shows you you're a son, that cleans you up, that also gives you gifts, shows you how to be fruitful. The fruit of the Spirit is another one that Bruce did at the seven o'clock um, just in the early part of the year. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such that is no law. And there is a difference between the human expression of those things. We are all able to love as humans, but it is a limited love, whereas the fruit of the Spirit is limitless. When we are loving by the power of the Spirit, there is a limitless love. So with our own human love, we might say, I'll love my family, but I'm not going to love the next level down, maybe my friends, definitely not my enemies. But with God, the limitless love that he gives us enables us to love all of those around us, brings fruit. Life in the Spirit also brings about exciting things. You'll see if you read Acts 8 that Philip was able to transport by the Holy Spirit. He's in the desert one moment preaching to a guy, baptizes him. Next minute he finds himself in a town some hundred miles away preaching the gospel. The Holy Spirit can do crazy things. Paul even said that as one absent in body but present in spirit. He seemed to be there present by the Spirit to see what was going on in a situation in the church in Corinth. In the Holy Spirit, miracles happen, signs and wonders happen, nations are changed by prophetic words. The Holy Spirit brings about great things. And it all begins with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It all begins at the point when we receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 verse 1 is the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who were these people? There were 120 Jesus following. Oh, they got it. Oh, fantastic. 120 Jesus following water baptized disciples that received the Holy Spirit. So the top column there, they had repented and believed. They had been water baptized. How long ago had they repented and believed? Some time ago, at least three years ago, at least when they began to follow Jesus. And so they were already disciples of Christ. There is this issue of of subsequence is the word that might interest you. Subsequence, the distinct experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit from salvation. See, an evangelical will say you receive the Holy Spirit in, the, in terms of the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you get saved. A Pentecostal may emphasize the difference. that For Luke, we're getting a bit teachy now, okay? So you guys hopefully can follow me. For Luke, he defines the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an experience. Here in the first instance in Pentecost, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they prayed in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But the question that we're asking today is this, is tongues the only way that you know that you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because this is where it gets offensive to some people. They might not speak in tongues, but they might know they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's just unpack this a little bit. In um, Acts 2 verse 12, it says that they heard them speaking in their own tongues the wonderful works of God. So these guys are speaking in tongues. They're speaking languages that are known in the earth. So that when other people from all over the different districts come to hear what they're saying, they can hear their own languages. But what they're doing is declaring the wonderful works of God. They're prophesying concerning God. So we see there are two demonstrations of the reception of the Spirit. One is tongues, and the other is that they are speaking the wonderful works of God. They're prophesying. So we can surmise that it's a change in speech. Now, just quickly on this, they're speaking languages that other people knew. That is supernaturally speaking a language that you've never learned. I've never learned Hungarian. But if God was to give me the gift of Hungarian, then I could speak to a Hungarian in full, and they would fully understand what I was saying and be able to receive a message from God through that tongue. I wouldn't even know what I was saying because I haven't learned the language. That's known as xenolalia, okay? The speaking of a language known on the earth. It's quite interesting when you look back into Pentecostal church history, what they used to do when they first bat- uh, people were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit is they used to listen to your tongue. And if it sounded like it, oh, that sounds Chinese, they'd put them on a ship to China. And guy would jump off the boat, start talking in his tongues, people would be like, what are you doing? Get out. That's xenolalia. What was the problem? He was speaking in glossolalia, the heavenly language. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul makes reference to it. He says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, if we're going to talk about what baptism of the Holy Spirit means and what tongue you could receive, the one you definitely would receive is this heavenly language, the one that you would be able to talk to God in. He might choose to give you French or Italian if you just want to go on a holiday without having to spend 400 pounds on a Rosetta Stone product. You could do that. Who knows? Maybe God might do that. But generally, in, in general, if we're going to talk about tongues for people, We're talking about glossolalia, the heavenly language that God has given His people to communicate with Him directly, okay? Now, we're going to cut this short. Um, I I can put this on the 2.30 Facebook page if you want, but if you were to go through and do a study, the 3,000 Jews who make a confession of faith, they get water baptized the same day and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit the same day. made a disciple the samaritans the samaritans philip was there preaching in acts 8 philip was there preaching the gospel they had believed the word that philip preached so they repented and believed they were all water baptized but peter and john come down from jerusalem to lay hands on these samaritans because they had not yet received the holy spirit see there was an assurance that they hadn't received the holy spirit why because nothing was happening They weren't speaking in tongues. They weren't prophesying. They weren't declaring the wonderful works of God. They could tell they had not received the Holy Spirit in terms of the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there was no verbal change in the way that they were speaking. And so they came, laid hands on them, and it says that they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in verse 18. Why is it that the Holy Spirit can come later? It's because we get saved when we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Holy Spirit's influence on us to lead us to that confession. He's there, he's present, but he's not yet indwelling. But the indwelling presence of God comes when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Paul had a similar experience. We know that Paul was walking on the road to Damascus, and suddenly a bright light shone around him, and Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, and he said, Lord, who are you? And as soon as he identifies himself as, I am Jesus Christ you me persecuting, Paul's response, Lord. He's gone from being a place of fear about this great light to, wow, this is Jesus. All oh, my days, I've just been killing his followers. There is a, a, dis, a repentance, a belief in that point in time. But he goes to Damascus. He gets left in Damascus. He's blind. Ananias gets a vision for the Lord, comes over. Prays for him to receive his sight again and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Paul receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're down to to here now. And immediately is taken to be water baptized on that point. So again, even Paul experienced repentance of belief, water baptism, spirit baptism. Like we said last week, though, Paul's a bad example. Three days he took to get baptized. Should have been baptized on the day. He was backslidden in that area. But it doesn't say that Paul spoke in tongues. It says that he immediately preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. So now he's preaching by revelation. So there's something coming out of his mouth that is revelation that he had not previously had. He received it from God by the Holy Spirit. Remember Peter, when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. How did he do it? By the Holy Spirit. So Paul demonstrated the baptism of the Holy Spirit by preaching Jesus as the Son of God. Revelation. Cornelius' household. It's important that we just tag all these because I want to make sure that I answer any questions you have or you might not have. Cornelius' household, he's a, a devout man, a Gentile, and he gets a vision to invite Peter to come and minister to his household. Peter comes after a vision of a sheep falling from heaven and all kinds of unclean animals, and God says to him, Arise, kill, and eat, Peter. Well, Peter decides that he's got to respond, so he goes to Cornelius' house, Gentiles. And he preaches Jesus Christ to them. And it says that when they believed, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they knew because they began to speak in tongues and magnify God. Speaking in tongues, glorifying God. What's the difference? There's a change in the way they're speaking. They immediately all get up and get baptized. Finally, Acts 19, the Ephesians 12. It um, says that Paul comes to Ephesus. He finds 12 disciples, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you got saved? They had to say, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. But how did Paul know? Paul knew because there was no tongues, there was no prophecy, there was no revelation concerning Christ. So he backtracks, says, did you get water baptized into Christ? No. Nope. Okay, who were you baptized into? John. Oh. So Paul, being a good disciple maker and having experienced the same discipleship process himself, takes them, baptizes them, sees them filled with the Spirit, and they speak with tongues and they prophesy. Now, I'll rush through it. I'm sorry to have had to do that. But at the conclusive statements that I would make of this, every disciple is called to repent and believe, receive water baptism, and receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is a distinct experience to salvation, but it can happen at the same time as salvation. It is definable. You could get saved and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit the very next second. I'm sure some of you are sitting there thinking, that's exactly what happened to me. But you can also get saved and then some weeks later, or some months later, some years later, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit but it's intended that we all experience all of them. The question of how we get saved, we're saved by our confession of faith concerning Christ. So do all of us need to speak in tongues in order to prove we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is your conclusion from what I've said? No. The conclusion is this, that a transformation in the way that you speak is evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Be it tongues, be it prophecy, be it revelation. You might be sitting there one day, just sitting on your bed, never prayed in tongues, and suddenly you just feel this joy welling up on the inside and you start to pray out, God, I thank you so much that you're my Father. I thank you that you've saved me. I thank you that you've forgiven me all of the sin that I've done in my life. I thank you that I'm now welcome in your presence. That just overflows out of you. That's an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it comes by revelation. You're prophesying concerning Abba Father. You're speaking out the nature of the Father in your life understand what i'm saying so a sign of the baptism of the holy spirit can be tongues can be prophecy can be revelation praise so it doesn't mean that we all have to pray in tongues but it means something has to change you can point to an experience in your life when something changed with the way you speak concerning god where something changed with the way you declared the truth about god see before we know christ we are sons of the devil And out of our mouth spews lies, spews deception, spews untruth. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, there's a transformation that takes place. He takes us from being unclean trees, bad trees, to making us good trees, which can bring forth good fruit from our lives. How do we receive the baptism of the Spirit? This is how we're going to bring this service to an end. We're going to spend a few minutes in worship, and we're going to pray for those of you who know that you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to invite you out to the front. But how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? First, you know that you've repented and believed. If you haven't been water baptized yet, just get baptized as soon as possible. It doesn't hold you up. Cornelius' people got baptized in the Holy Spirit before they got water baptized, okay? But make sure that you go back and get water baptized if you do. But we repent and believe. We put our trust in Christ, and we ask for the gift. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna spend a few minutes asking for the gift. So when you all to stand to your feet, to close your eyes, be before the Lord, and ask Him for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, ask Him for a a fresh infilling for yourself. But for the rest of you who haven't yet baptized, been baptized in the Spirit, with a change in the way you speak, with tongues, the thing with tongues is I believe all of us can have it. So if you don't have it, come and ask for it, and you'll get it. Okay, no need to be offended if you've just sit, no need to sit in your seat offended, just ask God for it. But what we want to do is pray for those of you who've not yet received that baptism of the Holy Spirit, to come forward, to get filled, to get blessed, to meet with God. And so Dave and the team, they're going to lead us in a couple of songs. But I want to challenge you, if you need to go, please do so with respect to those around you. But just to take these few moments to wait on God. Um, Dave, you good to go? So as soon as they start, for those of you who need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come out. We've got a team who are going to come and pray, pray for you guys here at the front. So come and just be ministered to. We trust in God that you're going to receive filled. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the pouring out of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that you take us and you baptize us in the Holy Spirit. You never take us out. We thank you that you immerse us so fully that it transforms the whole of our lives. And so Lord, we ask right now, Father, by the power of your spirit, that you'd start a fall upon your people, Lord. Lord, that you'd start a minister to your servants, Lord Jesus, and fill them to overflowing with the power of your spirit. Fill them to overflowing, Lord, that their lives would be transformed, that they would never be the same again, in Jesus' name. As Dave leads us, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, come out and we'll pray for you. Don't leave today without receiving that. rain on baptized best in the spirit of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Jesus just cry out to the lord for more of his presence in your life where you are Jesus, Jesus fill your people today lord. Fill your people today. Fill people today, Lord. Fill your people today. Lord, Father, we ask for more of your presence in our lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we would decrease and that you would increase, that you would form the image of Christ into us by your presence, by your ministry in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. There would no longer be us that live, but Christ lives on the inside of us. Lord, that you would raise us up as a generation to walk by the power of your Spirit, Lord, the walk in the things of the spirit and the spirit of sonship and the holiness of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit that there be a transformation from the inside out lord by the power of your grace and lord jesus that wherever we go when people meet with us that they would experience christ through us lord that the spirit of grace the spirit of truth that is an operation in us would reveal christ to those around us Lord, that there be a, a change in us lord that would bring you much glory Father, we thank you for all you've done in our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Just to say, for all of you guys here at the front, if you haven't, you guys, one sec, you guys here at the front, you guys who are praying, one sec, can you come through on this side and we'll pray in the room in the back? cool for all of you if you still want to come for prayer come and join us we're going to be in the back we're going to pray for all of these people um if you've not gone back to your seat you've not had that experience of the holy spirit you're looking for come and we'll pray with you Uh, make sure that you leave with that but bucking's going to come and close the service